Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. everybody welcome in to commanding the huddle i am your host brian fowler 14 to 7 new york giants over the washington commanders yesterday met life stadium washington is now three and four they are zero and two in the division and they host the six and one philadelphia eagles next week in week eight in their third divisional matchup, and their second meeting with the Philadelphia Eagles. While we will get into the Eagles matchup later this week, today we are talking what happened on Sunday. And the word of today, ladies and gentlemen, is abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. A joke. And all three, all three facets. Offense, defense, and special teams. Not prepared to play football. Not prepared to compete. Not prepared to show up. Games are not easy to win. They're not easy to win games in the NFL. Not easy to win on the road and not easy to win divisional games. No matter how good or how bad you are as a football team. But when I look at the state of the commander's roster... Nearly two months into the 2023 campaign, all I think about is what have we seen from the three prior seasons of Ron Rivera. 500 to sub-500 football. Coming into this year, there were different expectations with a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, and new ownership. For a long time, we talked about how this team would never progress into the days in the 80s and 90s Until Dan Snyder would be gone. Until ownership changed, there was no expectation as far as the improvement within the hashes, which is what mattered most. And now with ownership, prior ownership gone, and new ownership in the building, obviously headlined by Josh Harris and Magic Johnson, 3-4 and and 0-2 in the division. And two of the last three weeks, Washington has looked like a team with no direction, an organization that has no backbone, an organization that is not evolving itself on offense and defense to the teams that they're playing. This is not going to be a typical game podcast where I go into detailed notes of series to series as to why the ball bounced certain ways in certain aspects, whether Washington got in the end zone or not. This is just going to be an overview of, of course, what happened yesterday, diving into each positional group, and trying to provide a light at the end of the tunnel and what to expect in the immediate future. With the next two weeks, come back home against Philly and then on the road to face a New England Patriots team with whatever you think about Mac Jones and the Patriots. Beat the Buffalo Bills at home yesterday. A team that Washington was blown out by, by the way, at home. 
and a team led by Bill Belichick that will be prepared to play on all three facets. I, I will bet my house on that, that they will be prepared to play in Foxborough come week nine. But the fact that it is still relatively early in the season and the talent that Washington has, fundamentally, they're not getting it done. And it's not enough. And they're not being prepared to compete at the highest level in in football on a weekly basis. Came into yesterday's game knowing that Wink Martindale was going to attack Sam Howell. What did we see? We saw a lot of five, six, and seven-man pressures from the Giants early in the football game. Washington had under 50 yards of offense in the first half. At the midway point of that football game, Sam Howell had five completions. The Giants, at that point in time, had five sacks. And at that point in time, Tress Way had seven punts. So Tress Way had more punts at halftime than Tress or than Sam Howell did completions on offense. Folks, that is not good. It took until the second half for Washington's offense with Eric Bieniemy to understand that the Giants were going to get after him. This is something that you knew going into the game. At least I did. At least you guys did if you listen to the pregame podcast. If you've watched the Giants at all since Wink Martindale's been there, D.C. He is not soft. He is aggressive. He goes after people. He tasks his young corners to play man. And he sends six. Washington's offensive line could not pick up a stunt or a twist for their life yesterday. Specifically within the middle, Nick Gates, Sadiq Charles, and Sam Cosme. My God. Absolutely terrible. Yesterday was not a day that you look at Sam Howell and say he's got to get the ball out of his hands quicker because the sacks are on him. It was on the offensive line yesterday. Now it goes hand in hand, of course. But again... Took until the second half for Eric Bannemi to move the launch point in the pocket to get him out in space to Jahan Dotson, to Terry McLaurin. Get the ball out of his hands quick because your front five as a whole was a turnstile yesterday. The Giants ended the game with five sacks. They had five sacks in the first half. The first half. Saquon Barkley got in the end zone. 21 attempts, 77 yards on the ground yesterday for him. Also caught that touchdown. 32-yard hookup from Tyrod Taylor in that second quarter. The defensive line as a whole. Jonathan Allen's comments after the game, great. You're passionate. You're tired of the shit. Okay, cool. Well, no sacks. Two pressures from John Allen yesterday against third and fourth stringers along this Giants offensive line. I'm going to tell it like it is, guys. I love John Allen. You guys do too. You love Deron Payne. I do too. Chase Young, Montez Sweat. But how the Philadelphia front played against Miami last night, backups, is how Washington's front four was expected to play against a Giants front five that was, at the time, entering that game second in the league in sacks allowed. 
Guys coming in off the street. And they were good. Outside of Chase Young's two sacks. Kalik Hudson had one and Montez had one. Four sacks on the day. I said in the pregame podcast, they have to get at least six, seven, eight sacks on Tyrod Taylor. At times, the defense looked okay, especially in that second half when they made it a 14-7 ball game after being gifted a red zone opportunity from a muff punt by Sterling Shepard. The Giants had three guys return punts yesterday. Eric Gray, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. <laughs> Darius Slayton was back there for the first time in his career returning punts. And it's crazy to think that that game was 14-7, but it tells you how much of a shit show the Giants are. But in, in reality, how much of a shit show is Washington right now? Because for me, they're neck deep in shit right now. Neck deep. What is the immediate route right now? What are the expectations for Washington? Because for me, heading into this game, it was you don't want Washington to play down to the Giants. Are we playing down to the Giants? Or are we at the level of the Giants right now? Because from what I've seen the last month being blown out by teams, a couple weeks ago, it was a point where we allowed 144 points in the last month. And then you go to Atlanta and play decent against an average football team. And then you go to New York on the road and completely look lost. Sam Howell had an interception to Deontay Banks. Completed 22 as 42 passes for 249 yards. His best play of the day came on the last play of, for Washington. Rolling out to his left trying to hit Jahan Dotson on a fourth and five to get that first down. I do not want to hear any excuses that Jahan, that was a tough catch. You're a first round pick, catch the football. I can find 50 people on the street near here that can catch that pass. I can catch that pass. I wasn't an NFL receiver, but I'm catching that pass, absolutely. He has to catch the football. First round pick out of Penn State. It was good to see him involved yesterday. Eight targets, five catches, 43 yards. But at the time and at that moment, you go to your best guys. And Jahan Dotson is Washington's one of their best skill players. Right behind Terry in my mind. Got to catch the football in that moment in time. Would have been nice if they were down four in that situation, if they didn't have a blocked kick on that last possession, Washington had two drives go inside the New York 10 in that fourth quarter. They didn't get any points. First time in 98 games, the Giants blocked a kick. 98 games. Seemingly every week, someone breaks a record against Washington, whether it's a rookie, a team record, sack record, someone gets in the end zone for the first time in three, three years, someone's got their first catch since they were in peewee, something happens for somebody that's a record for them. Flat out abysmal yesterday. And there has to be questions asked towards the immediate future of Ron Rivera in D.C. Because this is year four. And what that tells me is, look, this is not 
a guy like Eric Bieniemy coming into town to where he did not draft Sam Howell. He didn't draft Brian Robinson. Didn't draft Terry or Jahan. But he had a say in bringing in Andrew Wiley and Byron Pringle and a guy like Marcus Kemp over the offseason who didn't make the team. And starting City Charles and Nick Gates, who came in from free agency too. But from Ron Rivera's perspective, these are his guys. But the NFL is not, you cannot win games on a depth chart, on a spreadsheet. You have to line up and execute. That's it. You have to modify a game plan to what you're facing and execute and also have players buy in to what you're doing. You drafted Emmanuel Forbes and Quad Martin, who, by the way, made a couple nice plays in that first quarter, specifically that PBU on third and 11 on that first drive, a drive that started out with a John Allen TFL. That was a positive. But these are his guys. Manuel Forbes, five snaps yesterday. Five snaps the last two weeks. First round pick. Quan Martin, a couple plays again. First quarter, goes out with a, a concussion, being evaluated for one, returns later in that ball game. Didn't see him elsewhere. Offensive line, rough. Ricky Stromberg comes into that game. Go back and watch his first snap at guard. Wasn't pretty. It was a deep shot to Terry McLaurin on that first play. He gets beat within a second of the snap. You drafted Braden Daniels from Utah as an offensive lineman early on day three. He's been on IR since the summer. Not going to be playing in 2023. Sam Cosme at right guard. Not good. Looking specifically, not at tape, at numbers yesterday along this offensive line. Ricky Stromberg had 18 reps in pass pro. He allowed one pressure. Sadiq Charles, 47 snaps, two pressures, one sack, one hit. Sam Cosme, all 69 offensive snaps at right guard. Three pressures, no sacks. Charles Leno at left tackle, three pressures, two hurries, one sack. Nick Gates at center. If I'm Nick Gates, I'm throwing the tape away from the Giants game. Unbelievably bad at center. Flat out dog shit. At center, six pressures, four hurries, a hit, and a sack. And you could probably could go into that film and say that he probably is allowed two or three more. The stunts and twists picking those up within the interior yesterday was a joke. I know you guys like seeing some of the videos all week long of the guys coming out to practice with their helmets and talking to the social media team. But do they actually practice? Do they actually practice? I don't mean play music and stretch. I don't mean go to the bags or the sleds and work on duo blocks up to the second level just jogging around. Do they practice? feel like Allen Iverson right now. We're talking about practice right now. But that's where it starts, guys. It's an effort during the week, a, a tempo type of thing during the week that you set for each opponent, 
Whether you play on Thursday, you play on Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I don't give a damn what day of the week you play. You set the tone every single week in your first day of practice. And from what I've seen, they're not working on anything. not improving anything. The offensive line's been an issue last year. They bring in free agent additions, they draft two guys, it still sucks ass. You draft two corners in the top 50 picks. I like what I saw at times from Benjamin St. Juice yesterday. Benjamin St. Juice, by the way, that was targeted over 10 times yesterday afternoon. Over 10 times. Allowed seven catches on 12 targets for 104 yards. Three PBUs. I thought he had a good day. That's the only guy in Washington's defense that was targeted more than three times. So he was picked on. But I thought he was decent in times. Obviously, the double move against Jalen Hyatt, not pretty. How many times have we seen Washington corners lose on double moves this year? Teams watch the tape and they see that Washington's corners are biting on double moves. They run it and it still works. Washington's DB coaches. Teams who run double moves, adjust. Adjust your eyes, your balance, your footwork, your technicality on the outside. Teams are going to look to run that. When they do, expect it. A guy throttles down, don't overwhelmingly click downhill and try to get your eyes on the football for a quick little hitch route because he's getting back up to speed. It's a double move. Quick little hitch and go on the outside. Every team has run it against Washington this year. They saw how much Emmanuel Forbes bites, so we're going to run it on Benjamin St. Juice too. There were so many limited positives yesterday. For me, my main positive, Chase Young, hell of a day. He showed up. Two sacks, was good in the run game, constantly creating pressure. Loved what I saw for number 99. Chris Rodriguez on offense, have a day. Have a day. No, it wasn't over 100 yards. No, he didn't get in the end zone. Seven attempts for 31 yards. He led the team in rushing. Brian Robinson, eight carries for 23 yards, 2.9 yards a pop. His longest run on eight attempts was six yards. Six yards! Six yards was his longest run. Antonio Gibson, hell of a day. Two carries, seven yards, two catches, 24 yards. Hell of a day. The tight ends group, Logan Thomas, six, catch, six targets, four catches, 51 yards. He still can't pick his feet up over the middle of the field to make anybody miss or gain an extra 15, 20 yards for you. Cole Turner and John Bates. I know you guys out there are, were all excited about Cole Turner this offseason. If you listened here, I told you to, to bring back those expectations. Where is Cole Turner all year long? Anybody want to tell me? Let's go into his numbers right now. Got my laptop right here in front of me, ladies and gentlemen. Cole Turner. Again, day three pick out of Nevada. Just like John Bates was out of Boise State. And this offseason, everybody talked about he's big and he's got a catch radius and he's going to be a red zone threat. He can't block and he can't get off inside the contact window. Through the first seven games of the season, Cole Turner, 6'6", 240, has 12 targets, 
He doesn't. He has one target the last month of the season. One. He's got one catch the last month of the season for a whopping nine yards. For this entire season, he's got eight catches on 12 targets for 82 yards. 10 yards a catch. Eight catches in seven weeks. Not enough. Mentioned the tight end was a massive hole for this offense. The unfortunate injury to Romani Rodgers, I get that. You cannot predict that stuff. You can't. But this was a loaded tight end class as they moved into day two to where I thought they could add a Sam Laporta from Iowa, a Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, Darnell Washington if they wanted to have that typical Y to boost the run game, to help the offensive line in certain scenarios. Take a look at Sam Laporta's numbers and Luke Musgrave's numbers and tell me what you see. Guys that are producing and in offenses that have some talent around them. Look in Green Bay, Luke Musgrave. They also took Tucker Craft after him. Another tight end from South Dakota State. I expect more from the Washington Commanders. You guys expect more. And it's unfortunate that every single year we find ourselves in the same spot. But this is a new spot that we find ourselves in because ownership is different. But I don't think ownership, specifically Magic Johnson, an individual that is a superstar in the game of basketball, a legend in the NBA, one of the best ever to play the point guard position, with the Showtime Lakers to where all they did was win. Because that's all that matters. I don't care if we have a quarterback that's 5'1", 90 pounds, and an offensive line that all they do is just stand there, but nobody gets around them. I don't care how they do it. But competing and winning football games is the ultimate goal. And when you look at this 53 and the talent that is there and the expectations that they had entering 2023 and a massive year for not just certain individual players for contracts, but for Ron Rivera and his future in Washington, three and four and 0-2 in the division and how the season has gone nearly two months in is a shit show. I'm not going to sit here and talk about the wins against Arizona and Atlanta and Denver are going to move the needle. Because when they've played anybody that has any sort of talent, they've gotten their asses embarrassed. Chicago, not an extremely talented roster, but what they have? Talent on offense. They hung a 40 spot on you at home. The Giants, not a talented offense. With a mishmash offensive line, what'd they do? Well, they blocked your front four and a talented defense got after Sam Howell. It's what we expected. I don't know if Ron Rivera expected it. I don't know if Jack Del Rio, Eric Bieniemy. I don't know. Every single person that's involved with football is at fault for what we've seen. I can't just put a finger of blame here and there. Right now, I feel bad for Sam Howell. I do. You're trying to get the kid comfortable every single week and he's got happy feet because he's got guys in his face within a second and a half of the snap the offensive line is absolutely terrible you might as well just pick up five random people off the street just like the Giants have and throw them out there and see what happens 
But they said this offseason that the additions that they made were going to improve this roster. This front five to where they had issues last year. It hasn't. Chris Paul, seventh round pick out of Tulsa who started against Dallas last year, was good. Inactive again against the Giants. Why? There's no reason to. There should be some shuffling moving into next week, potentially, against the Eagles. Now, Washington played well against Philadelphia a couple weeks ago in Philadelphia, losing in overtime. Do we see that same effort? I don't know. Obviously, it would be huge to get to 500 into 1-2 and two in the division and hand the Eagles their second loss of the season. But right now, we're in a spot to where we're once again, the divisional race, Philadelphia's running away with the division. They're executing every single week, no matter who they're facing. When you execute, you put yourself in a position to win football games, no matter how talented or not talented you are. If you execute a game plan, you put yourself in a position to win. Doesn't mean you have to have all the talent in the world. Don't have to have Patrick Mahomes thrown to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You don't have to have a line of Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett and TJ Watt rushing the passer with Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw as your linebackers. You don't need all the talent in the world to compete. Obviously, it matters who you got in certain positions, right? Your premium positions, your edge guys, your receivers, your quarterbacks, your offensive tackles. All that stuff matters. It correlates. But it starts where, guys? It starts where? It starts at the top. And I hate to be the person to consistently talk about the body language of Ron Rivera. I don't want to be that guy that talks about body language. Because then you start to nitpick. But sometimes guys need a kick in the ass a little bit to get going. And this is the last thing that Washington needed. I did sit here on Friday and say, I expected Washington to play well. Didn't we all? They needed that football game. That was a massive game in the early portions of the season to win. And right now, there is no clear direction for this football team. One for 15 on third downs yesterday. An offense that we saw sputter until late in the second half to where they finally modified what they were doing. We saw Sam Howell finally take it on his own read. Got three or four yards. I've talked about it a ton. It just take it to showcase that you can take it. And the backside of the defense stays honest. Nothing up the middle yesterday. No push from your interior. Chris Rodriguez found some holes. He runs hard. Runs behind his pads extremely well. Runs violent. But here we are again, ladies and gentlemen. Moving into week eight with no clear direction. And I know all you guys are calling for Del Rio's head and calling for Rivera's head. Maybe that is the best plan of action. But who do you bring up right now? Is it just Eric Bannemi, offensive-minded head coach, just slotting as a as your head coach? He already right now is the assistant head coach, technically. I think he's the type of guy that will put some, his foot in someone's ass and say, you got to get going or else you're going to sit your ass on the bench. I think that's the type that Eric Bannemi is, which I love. I don't care if you're coaching little guys to high school, to college, the NFL, it doesn't matter. Sometimes people need a kick in the ass to get going. 
A third and 15 touchdown to Darren Waller in the red zone over Jamin Davis with a too high shell. Disgusting. How easy that was from Tyrod Taylor, right over Jamin's head. Washington, one first down in the first quarter. Giants had over 150 yards of offense as a whole. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where else to go, guys. I don't know where else to go. What do you expect from this football team? Every single week. There's no clear direction for this organization right now with Ron Rivera at the helm. And the only thing we've come to expect is 500 to sub-500 football. Flat out, I do not think that they are being prepared to play every single week. Because every single first half, they come out sleeping. It takes them 30 plus minutes to get going. You cannot have it at the NFL level. There are too many good players that can take advantage of opportunities. You only need one snap to do so to put you behind in a ballgame. I get it. The Giants have been very, very bad this year. But the last two weeks in the Giants roster that I've seen, they compete. And they take it upon themselves to say, we didn't prepare ourselves this week. We didn't get prepared. We didn't do enough. And we came out slow. But you watch the Giants against Buffalo on Sunday Night Football and then yesterday against the Commanders, that's a team that's competing. Young on defense in the secondary. Deontay Banks was targeted over 10 times yesterday. Had his worst game technically as a pro. But still had an interception and he was tested. Wink Martindale consistently all day long got after the passer. In that second half, okay, Washington started slinging around a little bit. He didn't stop. He didn't allow Sam Howell to sit back there for two, three seconds and deliver 30, 40-yard hole shots to Dotson and McLaurin. Now, granted, Terry, Jahan, and Curtis combined for 25 targets yesterday. Washington threw it 42 times. So 25 of, four, of Sam Howell's 42 targets went to the big three, right? McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel in this offense. But as we move in to now week eight against the Philadelphia Eagles that have already beaten this team once, and I'm sure they're going to adjust to what they expect to do on offense and defense now in week eight. Do you throw Emmanuel Forbes back out there against A.J. Brown? What happens there? Again, five snaps in two weeks for your first round pick. And the same roster holes that Washington had entering the offseason this year are the same roster holes that you have right now. You need more help at corner, you need offensive line help, and you have no tight ends. Those are the holes. It's the same shit. No improvement. Zero improvement. So as we move in to now week eight, trying to take a deep breath and just focus on the positives and what to expect from this team moving forward. I'm expecting the unexpected every single week. Right now, they look like a drastically below-average football team. 
that has completely crapped the bed as far as from an execution and a preparedness standpoint. And while they may have the talent on offense and defense, it is not enough right now for whatever they are doing during the week to prepare to play football at whatever time kickoff is against whatever team. Well, they've done a nice job the last few years to bring back their core foundational athletes, right? Terry McLaurin, John Allen, Deron Payne. As we try to focus on not just this year, but in the years to come, with Montez and Chase Young both wanting to be paid, as does Cam Curl. This is the window specifically for this defense to be dominant, to where at times we saw it last year. But the key word in that sentence is last. 2022, not 2023. Where teams that watch tape on what Jack Del Rio did last year with the same personnel are attacking him in different ways in 2023. If Jack Del Rio consistently wants to rush four on second and seven, we're going to run it up the middle and bring more bodies in to do so. Give ourselves a third and four, third and five. If you're Philadelphia, that's exactly what they did in the first game. Okay, you want to play with a light box and try to guard A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith? Well, we're going to run right at you. We're going to bring in Dallas Goddard and Jack Stoll as extra tight ends. And we're going to get six yards on third and seven. And then we're going to QB sneak it a yard because you can't stop it. No matter who's along your front four. If you want to run more man on third and six and send pressure, well, we're going to max protect. We're going to have our number one receiver run a double move. Use your instincts, your first-round corner against him, because I know we'll bite on it. And we're going to hit you over the top. Little ways, the last month of the season, that teams are taking advantage of what Del Rio specifically is doing on defense. Offensively, if I'm a defense, a young quarterback with a bad offensive line that has proven to be bad, not just trying to pick up double teams, but in one-on-one isolated matchups. Proven that you can't pick up stunts? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to send blitzers and send stunts. Whether we got guys mugged up in the A and B gaps that are going to come or not, come up the middle or not, we're going to send pressure. We're going to show you pressure to force you to communicate. And then we're going to play man on the outside. So even if you do think that your guys can separate, which obviously we know Washington's receivers can, we still got a guy near your hip pocket to where you're forcing a young quarterback to make a perfect throw whether it's a six-yard curl or it's a 20-yard it's a hole shot. That's what defenses and offenses are, t- how they're targeting Washington right now. They're evolving their scheme. Again, like what I saw from Washington in the second half yesterday on offense, moving the pocket, moving the launch point, getting Sam away from the chaos inside the hashes, and getting him into quick little five, six, seven-yard catches of Jahan Dotson, who was primarily featured in that second half. 
and driving the ball a little bit. Why didn't we see it in the first half? Why does it take 30 minutes? So these are all major questions to where the finger of blame has to go towards everybody. Everybody involved within the football operation right now for the commanders has to be a blame. And three and four is not good enough seven weeks into the season with the schedule that they have faced and specifically the execution and the performances that we've seen this last month and a half of the season, which are abysmal, it's disgusting, and it absolutely is a fireable offense, in my opinion, towards Ron Rivera right now and what we've seen from Jack Del Rio and the talent on this defense and the execution and communication that we've seen on that side of the ball through now seven games. It's absolutely terrible. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. We're on all the podcast platforms that you can get Commanding the Huddle on. I'm on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. And I will have an episode out for you guys on Friday previewing the Philadelphia Eagles. We're not going to go into a full team preview. If you're interested in that, you can go back to just a few weeks ago when Washington traveled up to Philadelphia and my full preview of the Philadelphia Eagles then more so focused into what I expect, what Washington should do to Philadelphia, how they win that football game. (laughs) Hell, if I know they may need Jesus to come down and play quarterback for them if they're going to win that football game on Sunday as of right now from my most recent viewing and studying of this Washington football team. They're going to need all the legends. They need Sammy Slinging Ball to come down from heaven and do and play offense, defense, and special teams right now if they're going to win that football game on Sunday. Because right now, my expectations are they're going to go into that game with all the Philadelphia fans in that lower bowl and get their asses kicked at 1 o'clock. That's my expectation right now because I've seen nothing different to change my opinion. It starts with execution and there's not enough right now. So I will talk to you guys on Friday. I am Ryan Fowler. Enjoy your week. And this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.